We're going to look at, uh, I, I want to speak to you this morning about God's invitation to pray. And that's why we're going to be spending some time at, at the end of the meeting praying for each other. God's invitation to us to pray. And so here in James chapter 5, verse 13, we are approaching the end of this letter. These are the last couple of paragraphs. And this really is the section of the letter where you can see James's heart as a pastor. He was a church leader. He was leading the church in Jerusalem. And this is where you can really begin to see his heart for the people. And he starts to share some of his pastoral heart with the local church. And he says this, Is anyone, in verse, 16, verse 13 to 16, Is anyone amongst you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone amongst you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed a sin, he will be forgiven. So Father, I want to pray for your grace this morning as I preach. And above all, Holy Spirit, I want to pray that you would come in power that you would anoint these words, but Lord, that you would move, that you would minister to people. And Lord, I can't do that, only you can do that. And so I ask you to come. I ask as we minister to each other after this, that there would be power released, that we would see people healed from sickness, that we would see our hearts restored and forgiven where we need to experience your forgiveness. And so I trust you for these things, simply because you are good to us. You're a good father and you want to bless and provide and lead us forward so that we might become more and more like Jesus. So I pray for your word now, that it would take root in our hearts, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here we have the final paragraph, as I said, and um, James mentions two negative things and one positive thing that he, sh- he, he gives to us in the form of a question. He says, is anyone suffering? Your translation might say afflicted, it might say trouble. Is anyone um, suffering? Is anyone cheerful? Is anyone sick? Three questions. And those three questions really give you and I a clue that there are certain things that you and I are going to have to face as Christians in our lives. It's just part of life. All right? It's just part of the life that we lead, that there's sometimes there's suffering, there's sometimes affliction, there's sometimes cheerful things, there's good times where we're rejoicing, we're happy, we're full of life. And there are sometimes that we are sick. And so here James says in a very plain way, and in a pastoral way, he's engaging with this congregation, and he's saying these three things are possibilities for you as a member of any church, as a member of the body of Christ. And so he's not really just, it doesn't just pertain to that local church at that time. This really is a word for all of us as well. Because in any congregation, anywhere in the world, right now, There are congregations meeting all over the world. Someone in a congregation somewhere is going through a hard time. Someone in a congregation somewhere is cheerful and full of life, and it's just like life is treating them really well. And there are some people in congregations right now that are ill. And probably in this congregation right now, all three of those things are happening simultaneously right now. Someone is happy, someone is going through a difficult time, someone is saying, God, will you heal me? All right? And so James is really saying something that... um, applies to all of us. And he's, he's already encouraged us in the first couple of chapters, we've been looking at it for a while now, he's tried to encourage us how to react when we face difficult things. 
He said things like, don't be surprised when you go through hard things. Don't panic when you go through hard things. Don't react with bitterness or despair in your heart when there's a difficult thing that you're facing. He said other things. He said, uh, be patient. He's saying, remember, he said, persevere. Be steadfast. Uh, Trust God to vindicate you. I've spoken about these things a number of times. But I don't know about you, those things, if all James left me with was to say, persevere until Jesus comes back, I would find that discouraging. I would find that exhausting, wouldn't you? If the only advice that James said was, uh, if you're going through hard times, just persevere until Jesus comes back, that would be, for me, would be like, that would be a hard thing. (laughs) Because um, in my flesh, I'm not good at persevering. But he doesn't doesn't say that. He, He leaves us with something much more positive than that. There's an invitation to engage with God, to invite His presence, and to pray. Right? And that's really the heart of what I want to speak about this morning. So, the first thing I want to say, by way of introduction, is that our troubles, any hard things that we go through, are not unique to us. All right? Uh, He says, he uses this phrase, he says, is anyone amongst you suffering, going through a hard time. That implies that it's going to affect all of us, and it implies that my troubles, the things that I'm walking through in my life, are not unique just to me. And you know, that's the great temptation that we have to overcome, is sometimes when we're going through a difficult thing, we think we're the only ones on the face of the planet that have ever had to go through this thing. Isn't that true? We sometimes think, no, this thing no one else understands, no one else knows, this problem that I'm having with my child, no one else knows, no one else understands, actually... That's not true. (laughs) What James is saying is that the truth is we all face difficult things. Our our troubles are not unique. Christians and non-Christians are guaranteed of this in life, that we are all going to have to overcome some difficulty in our life as we walk with Jesus. And so the question is not why has trouble, why has hardship come? The question is, how do I react to what has come? It's not the existence of hard things that determine whether you are a Christian or not. There are some people that preach that kind of gospel. That actually, if you're going through a hard time, it's evidence that you've, there's something wrong in your life, that you've sinned. Uh, that's not the gospel. Uh, we all go, all go through hard times. What the gospel says is that actually Christ in you is the hope of glory, and that when you are going through the hard times, there's someone walking with you, Jesus, who has experienced exactly what you are experiencing. And that's the great joy of um, the Christian life, that we, have, we walk with Jesus, we walk by the Spirit. So I put it to you this morning that uh, trouble and how you react to trouble will, will show you what kind of person you are. And remember, I um, used the example of Job as the primary example, exhibit A, of what James says in terms of going through hard things. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. But I want to say to you as we consider this thing that our troubles are not unique, that you and I as Christians have something that does distinguish us from non-believers. We have a great promise from Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 where Jesus says through Paul to his church, no temptation, no trial has overtaken you that is not common to man, says it again. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you might be able to endure. And so he has this great promise to you and I 
as Christians that God will never let you go through something that you're not able to bear under the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? He's not going to take you somewhere where you can't actually stand. He's going to be with you always. Second thing, in terms of this kind of introductory comments, the devil will always try to demoralize you with trouble. The devil will try and demoralize you. God, I, I, I have a harsh view of the sovereignty of God. I believe God is sovereign over all things, that all things are under his hand. But the devil will try and demoralize you and I in terms of the trouble that we have to face. If he can't kill you, <laughs> the devil will try to demoralize you as a believer. He'll try to get you to such a place where your spirit is broken and you are extremely discouraged and you can't lift your head up. If the devil can get you to that place, you are no good to God in the sense of the kingdom is not being shown in, in your life or in my life if we get to that place. And so the devil will do all he can to get us to this place where our heads are down, we just can't get our heads up, and we are extremely discouraged. I want to say to you that this, though. If you and I are learning to walk by the Spirit, if you and I are learning to um, take the grace of God that is available to us, if you and I are learning to overcome temptation, then the devil can't pick us off like that because our heads are constantly being raised as we look to the cross. Are you with me? And so as we look to Jesus, our strength comes from him, and so the devil can't discourage us to that extent. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8. He says, we are afflicted in every way. Listen to Paul's language. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus might also be manifest in our bodies. Paul knew these things that you and I know. Paul knew discouragement. Paul knew affliction. Paul knew all those things, and yet they never crushed him. The devil, the devil never got him to a place where he became demoralized. I want to ask this of you as I ask it of myself. What about you? What about me? Do we allow our heads to get down? I'm trying to encourage you this morning. There is one who's the great intercessor. There is one who's Jesus. There is one who's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. He's praying for you. He's encouraging you. Know that in your life. Whatever you're going through, whether you're cheerful right now or whether you've had a hard uh, period of your life, Jesus is ever interceding for you. He's asking you to lift your eyes up to him. There's an invitation. Will you pray? Will you invite his presence? So I want to ask then, if that, if that is true, if God is sovereign, if uh, these things are allowed under the sovereign hand of God, if the devil is trying to d really discourage us, how do we react then? How do we look at suffering? How do we look at difficult things? Well, I want to say something that might sound strange initially. Um, I believe, I said in chapter, when we were looking at chapter 1, that the pathway to maturity is to learn how to engage with difficult things. I preached a message called The Pathway to Maturity. And um, Psalm 119, verse 71, David says, listen to what he says. I don't know if I can say this, but this is what David said. It's good for me that I was afflicted. Psalm 117, verse 71. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your ways. David had an incredible uh, way of looking at hard times. He said, no, actually, it's good that these things have happened to me because you know what's happening in this process is that I'm learning the ways of God. Isn't that an incredible thing to be able to say? 
I'm, I'm hoping that I can say that about my life, that the hard things that I've go, uh, have gone through in my life are enabling me to find the ways of God for my life. And James kind of said it in the same way. James said in James chapter 4, God gives grace to the humble. He's really, he's really exploring the same thing. He's really saying the same thing. I want to say to you this morning, there's a certain kind of grace that comes to your life, that comes to my life, that we can only experience in times of trouble when we cry out to God. It's greater grace. That's what Paul says. That's what James says. He gives greater grace to those that are humble, that cry out to him in times of need, in times of struggle. He releases an amazing grace. And I'm putting to you this morning, we can only experience that kind of grace when we cry out to him and say, yes, Jesus, I need you. And so, Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sure you know it, the amazing testimonies of those great men and women of faith. This is the point, though. They all went through difficult things to get that grace that they enjoyed. So I'm asking you, as I've asked myself, are we prepared to go through some difficult things to get the grace that God wants to release to our lives? It's, um, I saw this week on the news that a big blue diamond was found in somewhere in southern Africa, a very, very rare kind of diamond they found in one of the mines there. Did you read about that? What, what makes a diamond beautiful? <laughs> it's when it's polished, when it's, things are cut away, when it's hard things rub against it. It's the same for you and for me. We're all diamonds in the rough, you and I. We're all rough diamonds. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He starts to polish us. He starts to burnish us. He starts to say, I want to cut that little thing off so you can start to shine like a diamond with beautiful facets. But that comes through going through these things and crying out to God that His Holy Spirit might fashion and shape us. So I do want to say, as a fourth little introductory point, that there is some suffering that comes to us. There are some hard things that we go through through our own stupidity and our own disobedience, all right? Do you know that in your life? I've had times of that in my life where I just know, okay, this thing I'm going through, I'm sorry, Lord, it was my own stupidity, it was my own disobedience. And um, I'm not saying for a moment that all, all suffering is because of sin. I am saying that there is some suffering that is because of our own stupidity <laughs> and our own disobedience. And so I think it would be a mistake not to admit that, all right? Just as I believe Job helps us to understand that suffering is not necessarily because we are being punished, that we've done anything wrong. It's equally stupid for us to, to not to uh, recognize that there are some things in our lives that are the result of our own stupidity. All right? David knew that. Jonah knew that. And I put it to you that all of us know in our heart of hearts when we're going through things that are the result of our own stupidity. <laughs> we do know because the Holy Spirit is kind and He shows us. And so the, the best thing to do in, in a time like that is just to say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I was stupid. I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And sometimes the situation changes instantly and the thing changes just like that and it stops. But what about when it doesn't? What about when it lingers? What about when you just feel like this thing is not breaking through? How do we respond? Well, here is James's invitation, God's invitation. When it's, you're faced with a situation like that, God invites you to pray. God invites you to pray. That's what James is saying. If anyone in trouble, is anyone in suffering, pray. All right? And that's the great encouragement. The, the Greek here literally means draw near. 
Draw near. Come near to God. It's the same word that's used in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us boldly draw near to the throne of grace. The same word. Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, is able to save those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. It's the same word. So there's this encouragement. James uses this Greek word which says, when you're in trouble, when you're suffering, when you can't get the breakthrough, draw near. Come to God. Cry out to him. Say, Jesus, please intervene on my behalf. And so, remember in James chapter 1, James said um, that if we want wisdom from heaven, what do we have to do? We have to ask. And so the same thing that he says in chapter 1, where he says, if you want wisdom from heaven, ask God. He's now saying the same thing in chapter 5. If you are suffering, if you're going through a hard time, ask God. I have to say to you that sometimes when I go through a hard time, God is not the first person I ask. God is not the first person I cry out to. Most times I cry out to my wife. Help me! Sometimes I cry out to a friend on the phone. Help me! I'm desperate. I need some advice. Uh, but God says the first person we should go to is him. Isn't it true? How many of us don't do that? I mean, I'm being honest with you. Sometimes for, for my life, I, I don't go to God, first of all. It's like sometimes God is the last person I go to after I've spoken to my friends, my wife, my family, my dad, those people that I respect. You can respect, oh, that, oh God, yes, let me ask you as well. <laughs> no, it should be the other, what James is trying to get us to see. It should be the other way around. And I want to put it to you like this this morning. Everything that we go through, every affliction, every difficult thing is designed, is God's design to bring you closer to himself. It's God's God design to bring you and I closer to him and so there's a shaping thing that happens in our lives when we go through hard things. And the shaping that happens is that we are shaped towards God and we are shaped towards prayer. That's what God wants to do. That's why He allows these things. So that He shapes our lives towards Himself and He shapes our lives towards Him that we might cry out to Him in prayer. You know, the Bible uses this image of us as sheep. <laughs> Remember when we read, read those things in, in the Bible about sheep? Well, sheep are incredibly stupid. And sometimes we don't like to think of ourselves as stupid, but that's what the Bible says. It says we are stupid, and, and sheep tend to wander, don't they? They go off and do their own thing. And that's why they need a shepherd who says no, brings them in and kind of helps them and puts them in a flock. And it's like that with us. It's a, it's a picture of our lives. We like to think, all of us like to think that we would be the perfect people that immediately pay, obey God and always get it right. And, and, um, but you know what we do? We, we don't always get it right. And all of us tend to wander off like sheep. And so God allows some little things, tests in our lives to help us to come back. And he takes his crook and he pulls us back and says, I want to help you. And so that we can come back into his fold. That's the wonderful thing. All things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So all things, every good thing in your life and bad thing in your life has meaning and purpose. So when I talk about affliction or suffering, this is what I mean. I'm talking about things that threaten our security. Perhaps you've lost your job. Perhaps you're going through a really hard time financially. Perhaps you've got going through some emotional thing. Perhaps you feel really stressed. Perhaps, perhaps you feel depressed. Perhaps you feel like 
Um, you, there's a sense of failure that you carry in your life all the time. Those are the things that James is talking about because he, he uses a, a very specific word that we're going to look at now which, which encapsulates all of those things. And then he prays about sickness separately. So he's not just talking about sickness when we are sick. He's saying, are you going through anything in your life that is stressing you, depressing you, um, uh, causing you stress in terms of your, your, your security or your future, whatever? And James's, James's encouragement, his invitation, is that you and I go first to God in the place of prayer because God is the heavenly architect of our lives who is shaping our lives and he's speaking his plan and his destiny and his comfort over our lives. And so this is the great truth that James is trying to bring to us. And how often isn't it with you and I that when we go through these things, we think God is angry with me, God doesn't want, he's, he doesn't want to bother with me anymore, I'm useless, I'm not his son. Uh, we, we all go through those kind of things. And James is saying, no, when you're going through that thing, the first place you run is back to your father, Pray. He wants you to ask him. Great encouragement. And so there are three ways that he says we should pray. One, he says we should pray as individuals. He says we should pray with the team of elders in this portion. And thirdly, he says we should pray with our friends, praying friends. And so I can't look at all of those today. I'll look at those in the next couple of weeks. The first thing I just want to look at too is this encouragement to all of us as individuals to pray. You and I are called as believers to pray. And so uh, someone used this expression, water is wet, Christians pray. There should be a default setting in our lives when we are in trouble that we cry out to God. And like I said, it sometimes doesn't happen. But I spoke to you about the Old Testament heroes, the great prophets of the Old Testament who were persecuted for speaking the Word of God to the people. And James is saying, in a sense, he's carrying on that little analogy, and he's saying, just like the prophets went through hard times, you and I need to know that we're going to go through some things, and so we best know how to deal with it. And so here's the word that he uses. It's kakopatia, is the Greek word, K-A-K-O-P-A-T-H-E-I, which, like I've said already, it means more than sickness. Because if we look at the lives of those prophets, they all experienced different difficulties. Jeremiah had constant opposition from God's people. When you read his story, all that had happened to his life, he was opposed all the time by God's people. Ezekiel knew what it was to lose those that he loved. He went through bereavement. Hosea, his marriage broke down. Doesn't that encourage you? Hosea, the great prophet, had a difficult marriage. Didn't work out well. And so when we struggle in our marriages, sometimes we think, well, well, it's just unique to me. No, it's not unique. Even the prophets of old, the great heroes of the Old Testament, had to endure some difficult things. I find that incredibly encouraging, that on every level, the prophets that went before us have experienced something of what we go through. And so I'm saying to you that what James is talking about is anything in your life or in my life that your friends can look at and say, gee, that's a bad thing that you're going through. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> he's trying to encourage us. When we're experiencing those things, that people would say, gee, that's a hard thing, we cry out to God, all right? The good news is that we don't suffer all the time. Aren't you glad about that? 
I'm very glad about that. There are times when our hearts are cheerful. There are times when we are buoyant, when we are trouble-free, where we just like feel like we're on the top of the world, where, where things are going well, when we got paid out for the insurance claim without any problem, and we're just happy. We're saying, yes, God! Well, what is, what is, what is James saying? That, he says, if you're feeling like that, sing songs of praise. Worship! And so in this little phrase, he gives us the two extremes of our, of our lives. He says, when you're going through a hard time, pray. When you're going through a great time and you're just rejoicing, praise. Just give. What does both of those things do? Both of those things summarize a view in our lives that we hold that God is sovereign over everything. So we have this option. When we're going through... Um, Tough times, we can allow those tough times to turn us into bitter, rebellious people that walk away from God, or we can allow those things to be an invitation to us to seek Him and seek His presence in prayer. Equally, when we're going through a a time where things are going well and there's great joy in our lives, we can become flabby, we can become complacent, we can just say, well, I can handle anything anyway, and uh, we become those that ignore our need of God, and that's the biggest problem that we get ourselves into, isn't it? And so James says, don't be like that. Don't get flabby and complacent when you're going through a good time. Just praise God. Say, thank you, Jesus, for the good thing that you have uh, released into my life. And so all of our lives should find expression in these two things, prayer on the one hand and praise on the other. And Calvin, when he was writing about this portion of James, he, he said this amazing thing. He said, there's no time in which God does not invite us to himself. There's no time in which God does not invite us to himself. In other words, if you're going through a hard time, God invites you to himself through prayer. If you're going through a joyful time, God invites you to himself through worship and praise and saying thank you and being grateful. Those things are invitation into His presence. What I'm trying to say to you is that God is our Father. He's a God of all seasons. His sovereign power is, all, is over our lives. And when we pray, when we're in trouble, we acknowledge His sovereign power to satisfy our needs. And when we praise in times of joy, we acknowledge His sovereign power over our circumstances, that He gives us good things Whatever our response, we are saying that, God, you are sufficient in every way for my life. That's what we're saying when we worship and when we pray. And so James is quite strong here because he commands us to pray. And you know why he commands us to pray? It's because he's saying the grace of God is available to you. It's there. It's, it's just w- waiting for you. Will you cry out to God? Will you, will you take that grace and appropriate it for your life? That's why he says it strongly. And so that's, uh, I want to encourage you with those same thoughts that the grace of God is always available to you. The grace of God is always available to me. Will you reach out in times of trouble through prayer and find that grace for your life? Will you enjoy that in times of cheer, cheer in your life through worship? Still enjoy that same amazing grace. And so, in conclusion before I say how we just give you a couple of very practical pointers how we should pray. All of our lives should be reflected upwards. I want to use that phrase. Acknowledging God's sovereignty, His sufficiency in our lives. And when we do that, when we reflect all of our life upwards towards God, 
we are, enjoy the grace of acceptance, that we, we um, accept the will of God and the sovereign hand of God over our lives. And at the same time, we reject stubbornness. <laughs> and that's really a disgrace. Grace is available. The disgrace is that we are stubborn. We don't accept God's will. We fight God all the time. That's a stubbornness that is not, doesn't reflect the grace of God. And so I'm saying to you, there's this dual thing, prayer and praise. And both of those things work in our life simultaneously because God is good in everything all the time towards us. Amen. So I'm going to finish now and then we're going to pray for each other. All right? How then should we pray? When we're going through hard things or when we're going through good things, how should we pray? Well, there's some very practical things, five little practical things I'd like to give you. First, Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The first thing we do, whether we're going through a hard thing or whether we're enjoying a brilliant time in our lives, we pray with thanksgiving. (laughs) Now, that's harder to do when we're going through a hard time, to say, God, I thank you for this. But that's what the Scripture says we should do. And I'm pointing it to you, that in that we are saying, God, I thank you for this situation. You are sovereign. I thank you as your son. You are treating me as a son. And I rejoice in Jesus' name. All right? So we pray with thanksgiving. Secondly, we pray that we might receive the full value of what God wants you to receive as you're going through that hard thing. He's trying trying to birth something in you. So, remember I said perseverance must finish its work. So don't try and preempt what God is doing. But say, God, I want the full thing, the full value of what you are doing in me through this difficult thing or through this gracious thing that I'm enjoying right now. I want the full value of that. Please help me not to short-circuit what you're doing. Pray with thanksgiving. Say, God, I want the full value of what you're doing in me. Third, ask for grace. <laughs> what is... You know, sometimes we, we like to think of ourselves as heroes, don't we? Big heroes that can just take on everything. Often we end up as martyrs, really, dying. <laughs> just because we won't say, God, I need you. Please, I'm weak. I can't do this. Please help me. God gives grace to the humble. If you're going through a hard time, the worst thing you can do is say, God, I can do it on my own. Don't need you. <laughs> I've learned the best thing to do. Get on your knees and say, God... I can't do this without you. Please help me. I'm weak. And he just lavishes grace on your life. Amen? So pray with thanksgiving. Say, God, I want the full value of what you're leading me through. Thirdly, ask for grace so that the trial can be ended. Don't end up being a martyr, all right? Don't end up dying. Jesus wants to take you through. Fourth, Ask, ask what God is trying to develop in you. Say, say to him, Lord, I know you've allowed this thing. Show me what you want to do in me. Show me what you want me to learn about yourself. Show me something that I haven't seen about you yet. Show me something new. Use this thing to make my vision of you bigger, greater, more lovely. And then fifthly, pray for the breakthrough. God wants you to have breakthrough just as much as you want breakthrough for your own life. The trick is this, is to try and ask for breakthrough without ignoring those first four things, without just trying to do away with them. <laughs> just want the breakthrough now. Don't want grace. Don't want to learn more about you. Don't want it for the full value now. Just, just get me out of this. That's the problem, isn't it? 
So we have to learn to balance those two things. Enduring, persevering with joy, with praise, with worship, saying, God, you are sovereign, you can do it. I'm trusting you for breakthrough, but enable me to learn all that I need to learn through this thing. And lastly, I want to say this. There can be two kinds of breakthrough. Breakthrough inside and breakthrough outside. When breakthrough comes, if it happens outside of you, it's wonderful because the circumstances change instantly and um, the situation is resolved and breakthrough comes. We all love those kinds of breakthrough, right? But what happens when the breakthrough doesn't come outwardly? There's only other one possibility, that God is trying to do something inside of you and inside of me. Right? And breakthrough needs to come on, the, needs to come on the inside as well. This is inside out stuff. So, what I'm trying to say is that you then become the master. The circumstance is not the master anymore because you've received breakthrough on the inside by the power of the Holy Spirit. It means inwardly that you have the victory. It means inwardly that I have the victory regardless of the circumstance. What doesn't matter then, the circumstances don't matter anymore. It's not about them, whoever them are. It's about you. It's not about your job. It's the job that's the problem. It's the job that's the problem. No, it's about <laughs> me. It's not about your boss. If only I had a better boss, God, I, you know, if only the boss was better, oh, my, my job would be easier. It would all, just, God, just the boss, take the boss away. No, it's no longer about the boss. It's about me. <laughs> Inward breakthrough. It's not about your teacher. It's not about your bad pastor either. Oh, just change the pastor, Lord, and my life would be fine. It's not about the pastor anymore. It's about me. Inward breakthrough. It's not about the person in the shop, in the, in the queue ahead of you. <laughs> that irritates the life out of you. Have you ever had one of those people? No? Jeez, I have some experiences in my life that are obviously unique to me. But every time I go shopping, there's some plonker, or you're not allowed to say that. Sorry. I can get arrested for saying that word. There's some person that just zips in the front of you with their, with their push card. Have you ever had a person like that? And you just, God, change that person. Just, oh! No, it's about me, isn't it? It's not about your enemy. It's not, oh God, my enemies. If, just change my enemies! It's people that hate me. God, change them. No, it's about me. When something changes inside, everything changes. So we can get the breakthrough when the circumstances change, but I'm also saying to you, let's ask God for that inward breakthrough. When that inward breakthrough comes and we change, everything else changes. That's the key to living a happy life in Jesus. So... I want to say, are you suffering this morning? Are you going through any of those things? You've got a hard time at work. You're suffering with a sense of failure. You're feeling depressed, whatever. I want to ask you, cry out to God this morning. I want to say, if you're in a great place in your life, we want to rejoice with you, and we want to sing songs of praise with you. Yes? So all I'm trying to say is draw close to God. That's his invitation to you this morning. Whatever you're going through, draw close to him. He wants to break through. He wants to change your outward circumstances, but he also wants to change you on the inside. Amen?